Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. I'm Travis. This is Kyle. Kyle, we, we left off a couple weeks ago. We didn't pod last week because we were both busy. This week, we come back, and what did we say? The last thing we said was, if Justin can keep if it Justin up. If Justin If he can keep, keep, it, keep it, up, it up. If he can keep it up. And in true Bears fashion, he, he not only did not keep it up, he immediately got injured. Um... Mm. He shit the bed in a truly epic... Like, he left... And frankly, here's the deal. Usually a Bears quarterback doesn't give us that kind of performance. They usually kind of waffle, right? Maybe you get stuck with him, a la Rex Grossman. Maybe you think he could work, like Jay Cutler, right? And you just keep dragging it along. Justin came out and he said, No, all of my worst tendencies will be on display. If the Vikings send one more pass rusher than I have offensive linemen, I will die. Uh, and <laughs> nothing is going to happen offensively. And then he got hurt, and why did he get hurt, Kyle? Why did Justin get hurt? It's, you know, it's so, like, it sucks. Like, it sucks that the kid is injured. It really does. I wish he was still out there because, I mean, while I think reluctantly we both probably have our answer on is Justin Fields the guy, it's the questions, I mean, until the end of this year, until the next year's draft, until the draft, that question's still a question, and I would like as much data as I can get to make that decision, and I would like to see Justin Fields out. It sucks that he got hurt. But the reason he got hurt, the most depressing thing in the world, is that he scrambled and took 45 seconds to get rid of the ball on a play where if he had just hung in the pocket and flashed a little bit of that goddamn anticipation we've been begging him to show for almost three full years now, DJ Moore was right there. And honest to God, at this point, it's not even in, it's not even anticipation. Put some yeah. trust in DJ Moore. Like, last year we made excuses for you. We did. I, did I, I wasn't sure if it was truly that he can't anticipate or that every time he tried, he got fucking burned because his number two wide receiver was Equinemius St. Brown. Your Equinemius St. Brown's not the guy running that route anymore. It's DJ Moore, who has literally been the most productive, by most advanced metrics, the most productive wide receiver in the NFL this year who's not named Tyreek Hill. Throw him the fucking ball. Just, it's yeah. third down, just throw the fucking ball. Throw the fucking ball. Throw the fucking ball. Throw it. It's a ball, it's a football, you throw it. Throw the fucking ball football throw it god yeah did you uh were you listening to the radio call like i was during that play did I, you hear uh did you hear them scream throw the ball and uh, he just wouldn't do it look i won't say what i was doing while that pass happened as a law-abiding mm-hmm. citizen i certainly wasn't driving down uh highway 20 while also sort of having the game on on my phone because that would be that would be dangerous yeah you shouldn't do that that's distracted driving children um but i happened to see the play somehow where he got hurt and i too was screaming throw the fucking ball now throw the fucking ball is going to come up again later in this episode in a little bit when we talk about a different quarterback uh probably but so yeah, that's where that's where we are with Justin Fields right now. And we'll come back to Justin here in a second because I actually wanted to lead off with the other guy um, because there has been a lot of controversy. P- 
people are really quick to jump on this train, and I get it. It's a good story. He's a D2 kid from a university that I still refuse to believe is real. Um, Shepard. We assume that he ra- you raise sheep there. That's what yeah, I assume. No, I, I, yeah, I, you know. Well, I mean, I, I think that's probably what Josh Allen majored in at Wyoming. I don't know. But uh, so they, there's other NFL greats. <laughs> Wyoming, but, another, another famed sheep-raising animal husband. But I want to make this of course. clear. Look, two things. One, Tyson Bagents did everything that a backup quarterback should do against the Raiders. He executed the... The Chase Daniel Shane Matthews game plan to perfection. Yeah, um, better than Chase Matthews or Chase I, Daniels, I would say. Chase Matthews. We should Chase just, Matthews. We're going to we stick with that. that. Yeah, we should just use that as a placeholder name for every noodle arm Bears backup. <laughs> um, I can't remember who it was. Someone once observed that in history, there are really only like three or four kinds of stories. Like one of them is the Odyssey. One of them is Moses, etc. Like the same mm. stories really just repeat themselves. It's not Joseph Campbell, although it's similar to that, the hero with a thousand faces. The bears really only repeat the same four or five stories too for our entire lives. There is yeah. the smothering defense that can't score a point to save its fucking life. And, and there is very much more rare, but we've had it twice, 95, 2013. We've had the unstoppable offense that, and, and for a couple weeks last year, even, the unstoppable offense that can't stop the other team to save their life. We've had that one lesser. Um, and now we're on the third most common Bears story, which is the much more talented starter has disappointed for long enough that the Bears' legacy media is now rallying around the backup because he does the little things right. Um, and we saw this when it was... McCown stepping in for Cutler. We saw it when it was Chase Daniel stepping in for Trubisky. We saw it when it was Caleb Haney originally stepping in for Jay Cutler. We saw it when it was Brian Greasy stepping in for Grossman. It doesn't matter who it is. We saw it, if you're old like me, and honestly, I'm not even that old. I just started watching Bears football from an early age, which, you know, explains a lot uh, about me as a human being. And not in a good way. But yeah, if you're old enough to remember Steve Walsh versus Eric Kramer, it's the same story. It is. Every time. The reason that guy, the reason that backup does all the little things right is that's all he has, guys. Tyson Bajan does all the little things right because he wouldn't have even gotten a, an invite to an NFL camp if he didn't. And that that's because he doesn't have the talent to do anything more than the little things. People love to harp on the completion percentage, blah, blah, blah. It's 2023. I need people to stop citing completion percentage out absent any other context like it matters. We are in the golden age of the meaningless pass completion. I have seen guys put up 70, 80% completion rates in a game where they scored six points. It, it, it doesn't matter anymore. So the completion percentage is irrelevant. If you watch that tape, there are plays downfield that Bajent turned down. Uh, and I don't think he turned them down for the reason that Justin Fields sometimes turns down throws where he just hesitates to pull the trigger. I think Tyson turned them down because Tyson knows who he is and knows what throws he's actually capable of. He had one complete he has one completion over fifteen yards in the time he's played. It's it's oh, fifteen air yards, I should say. He is what he is. I think he could be a nice long-term backup 
for them. I really do. Because, I mean, he does execute. And that's not nothing. I mean, to, for Ryan Poles to have identified this kid from Shepard who's going to make the bare minimum uh, and stick around for a couple years as a backup, that's cost savings you can use elsewhere on the roster. That's not nothing. Um, but, God, if you are even slightly tempted to convince yourself that this kid is anything more than Chase Matthews, the immortal Bears backup quarterback. He's not. He he is what he is. I have a feeling that the Chargers will probably put an end to this talk Sunday, even though they're not a great defense. But Because um, that Raiders defensive game plan was one of the worst things I've ever seen against a guy that you know almost certainly is not going to throw the ball downfield. They didn't make any effort whatsoever to come up and take away the stuff that you, that I could have told you he was going to throw. But anyways, there's the Bajit rant. Travis, are you... Do you have any strong thoughts about secret Bajent man other than that was a nice performance by a backup quarterback? Yeah, I mean, for a, a great performance from Division Two guy who nobody oh, had yeah. ever heard of playing in his first year. Like, I mean, you were, you're very down on it because you heard the Dave Wanstead nonsense. You heard the stuff from these, like you said, the legacy Bears media, old dudes. It's old dudes who were like, oh, man, this is great. And I told you while I was, you know, we were watching that game. Uh, and then when I went back and watched the tape, like, this was a real breath of fresh air because we've dealt with this other guy who won't throw the damn ball. And Bajan comes out there and he's like, snap throw, snap throw. Very much like um, uh, a hooker in college at Tennessee, right? You know, he gets the ball and then it's out of his hands. You're getting three yards. Um, and it, it, he didn't take any sacks. He took one sack to Max Crosby, which is incredible. Like, all the credit in the world to Luke Getze, right, for that game plan, which is don't let him die. Don't let Max Crosby well, kill him. He throws the ball quick. I do need to stress, like, that game plan is not going to work nine out of ten times if you try it. It's not going to result in a win. Because that was the second lowest average depth of target. And for people that don't know, that literally just means how far the ball traveled in the air. The, the average Tyson Bajant pass against the Raiders traveled 2.1 yards. Well, we saw we saw what this game plan is actually going to do usually, right? The first game of the year because it was the same game plan. It was basically a lot yeah, of screens, a lot of short passes, a lot of handoffs, and usually you get what fourteen points out of that, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's not. And but but I mean, he played really well within that. Um, a lot of his air yards, which is what we were talking about earlier, it, it's because most of the passes were designed to be behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, yeah. When he had to throw the ball. They were going 7, 10 yards. He was hitting open guys, and that's great. He did, I will say this, he got away with a couple of Justin Fields-like plays where he did try to scramble to nowhere. Uh, the difference is he threw the ball away. Justin just waits until he gets sacked, right? And we talked about this with Anthony Richardson, like, you know, months and months ago. One of the great things about him is he doesn't go backwards, right? In college, he didn't take sacks, so they even if he didn't get a completion, they didn't get behind the sticks, um, and with Justin, God, he is a drive killer sometimes. And if you do that three times a game, if you get second and 18 three different times a game, that's basically three lost drives. Bajan didn't lose a drive. And so we just, we scored points against a bad defense. Uh, but we scored points and we won the game. So is he better than Justin Fields? Absolutely not. Is he somebody we should think about like giving run? No, he's a backup. And thank God he's a good one. But... It really did 
bring into stark contrast what's wrong with Justin Fields, like how painful it's been to watch him just hold the ball and just not throw it to the wide open guy. Um, so there's that. I mean, that that's the reason we've seen the backlash is we've seen a lot of Justin Fields, and this guy was the exact opposite. Well, I mean, and this was, again, this was, it was the same thing when Chase Daniel stepped in for Mitch in 2019, that the people who watch the starter every day in training camp, at practices, mm-hmm. that have, that you get a warped perspective, and eventually it's just, you get such a sense of relief just from watching that guy do the opposite of the thing that really annoys you about the primary guy is that you do forget that there are a lot of things the primary guy obviously does better than the backup, and that's why he is the primary guy. It's very rare. I mean, you just... I mean, when was the last time, not counting, like, a first-round quarterback who was a rookie eventually took over for, you know, like... Kenny Pickett taking over for Mitch Trubisky. When was the last time in the NFL a backup truly took the job from an established starter and then that backup went on to greatness? It doesn't really... Cousins, right, would be the guy. Cousins would probably be the last one. Probably the last guy, yep. And before that, it would be... Do you count Dak Prescott with the Cowboys? I mean, but Dak wasn't... No. I mean, Romo got hurt there. Yep. But very rarely... Like, it happened when we were kids, obviously. Because I think a lot of people don't really remember... Or a lot of people remember a time when quarterback controversies were legitimately a thing of the past. And that's because if you go back in the 90s, the 80s, when quarterback wasn't as, as the position that it has become now, you didn't actually see as many guys drafted in the first round. You didn't see... You, you, felt, you saw a lot more guys undrafted make impacts in the NFL, too. They didn't really know... The league did, hadn't established how to scout quarterbacks... They didn't scout every program. They were learning. You you had guys emerge all over from all over the place. Nowadays, that doesn't happen with the quarterback rate with the with the importance of quarterback with the rookie wage scale capping quarterback salaries those first five years and making them super valuable. Guys that ten years ago you might have taken a chance on in the if Kirk Cousins I would I would be willing to bet it if Kirk Cousins entered the draft now. If we had a Kirk Cousins type player under the draft now, that guy probably goes no later than round two, not round four. Because I think he was drafted in like the second year of the rookie wage scale. You hadn't really seen the paid, the paradigm shifts happen yet. But um, And like a Tom Brady does not fall the way to round six anymore. Maybe he's not a first rounder, but he doesn't fall. Those guys are way more scouted now. There's way more mm-hmm. information available. I mean, for fuck's sake, we have had multiple quarterbacks drafted in the top five from North Dakota State. That doesn't happen in the 80s. So that's why you are remembering all these quarterback controversies where this actually did happen, where the random backup was a guy who was actually better than the starter. Because back then, neither of those guys was was a first-round pick competing with, you know. There is a reason now, that... Now, I will say this, Kyle. If there was a guy who was going to fall through the cracks, and it's a 1% shot, but if there is one place that you wouldn't be looking still... It would be Shepard, right? It would be like Division Two. You gotta say if there's a chance, this would be the guy. I don't got the it. chance is very I'm small. Not gonna say the chance it. is not, very small. But no, Kyle, no chance. The next remember, great NFL quarterback, the next great Bears quarterback. You, you said that about Josh Allen. Who needs a relief? <laughs> hey, Josh Allen! Oh my God! <laughs> Josh Allen was a great uh, God. He was. I I, I, even Josh Allen, I well, said, like. It, I mean, I you said, know what it is. 
What, what it is is people are looking for starters when they draft yeah. quarterbacks. They don't look for backups. And this guy looks like a good backup, right? You ignore the arm strength. because I, He got substituted for the Peter man to throw a 50-yard touchdown to the end zone. He's truly Shane Matthews. Uh, but you don't look for a guy who can come in and play a couple of games. And what we were looking for this offseason was a, a good backup, a reliable guy who could come in and do exactly what he did against Oakland here. It's not Oakland anymore. Fuck my life. It's Las Vegas. Uh, but we, we were looking for this guy, and we found him. So, you know, kudos. Great job. But, yeah, you don't want this guy starting every week. He might beat up on the Chargers. They have a bad defense, and their coach needs to get fired. We might be able I'm, to help him with that. Uh, but but there, I, I, there's no way against a middling defense that he does that well. I think the Chargers I think the Chargers could shut down Secret Bajant Man if they play the, the game plan that makes sense against yeah. him. But the Raiders didn't do that. Uh, and we have seen, for instance, Matt Eberflus be a fucking moron about changing yeah. his ways against Jordan Love, which that game plan, the further we get away from that game, the more we see of Jordan Love, that goes into the lexicon, I think, for the worst defensive game plan the Bears have ever had, what they did week one against Jordan I tell Love. you what, that game might get the recency bias win uh, in our upcoming offseason tournament of all-time worst Bears games. That one's going into contention, uh, and yeah, it gets worse every single week. The, I would say the two worst game plans in Bears history. Offensively, it was what Nagy did against the Browns in Fields' first start. Uh, uh, yeah, and defensively, yeah. it's it's probably Matt Eberflus deciding to play Jordan Love and, and a Packers receivers core that had no Christian Watson uh, with soft-ass two-deep zone on every play. Um, and that's what yeah. the Raiders did with Bajan. And now Matt, or uh, Brandon Staley, has very stubbornly stuck to playing two-deep safeties uh, on most of the Chargers plays and soft coverage on all that even as they just keep consistently getting run over and they keep giving up easy stuff underneath. So this is truly a test of the stoppable force versus the movable object because um, the Tyson Bajant game plan shouldn't work that well again, but it just might if Brandon Staley refuses to change his ways and actually move guys up and challenge and press those receivers and make the kid hold the ball, make the kid think a little bit. So that should be interesting mm-hmm. to see. But regardless of what happens, again, the Tyson Bajant, I think he's a nice find. I think it's, it's you know, a backup quarterback yeah. isn't necessarily cheap, especially veteran ones. So that's a couple millions in roster savings right there and finding a guy that you think can be a reliable clipboard. I mean, look at, I just don't look at the last few years. Yeah, look at our backup quarterback situation the last few years. It's been a disaster. You know, like, God, every guy who's come in off the bench has been, you know, a miserable failure. If we can have one guy who could just look competent, for a couple games a year while the main guy is injured, that'd be great. Uh, now, as to who that guy should be next year, uh, as you as you leave, I guess I'm gonna I, I set you up and and now you've disappeared. Uh, the man has to go tackle his cat, folks. Uh, they're wrestling in the background. Ooh, that's that one's gonna hurt. Uh, Sorry, I had to go with my cat. I had to go let my cat out or else he was going to meow angrily through the rest of this recording session because he was yeah. locked in the den with me. Um, yeah, so as for the – are we talking Caleb? We're moving on. We're going to talk about – we're going to talk about the guys who we want next year because, okay, so you kind of left some room for Justin Fields. You said he still has time to prove himself. I'm kind of 
I'm out. Well, I, if if he does well the rest of the year, to me, that's improving his trade value to Atlanta. Well, there's there's one scenario still where I don't even talk. Don't, don't even Justin. don't bring up the worst case scenario. <laughs> you did that the other day. You I were, know, t- you were like, you know what could happen? We could keep that's, everybody. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, and I'm gonna do it. Um, the worst case scenario at this point to me is if somehow that Bears pick and that Panther and that Panthers pick end up being number three or later in that draft. Which, first of all, if it's number three, you take Marvin Harrison Jr. First thing. Um, yeah. But also, if that if that pick ends up being number three in this draft, and assuming that Caleb Williams and Drake may, in whatever order, go one and two, um, I still I'm looking into quarterback three in this draft. And there's not a guy that I love yet, and I I don't know because I here's the thing about Justin Fields because I think people probably think we're being a little too harsh on him, like especially from where we were left. I think at this point in his career, if you add everything he does, the rushing and everything, I think Justin Fields is an average NFL quarterback. I think we had him 18th. Before the season in our quarterback rankings, we said we really hoped he'd move into the top 10 by the end of the year. I think he's still about 18th. I think he's about the 17th, 18th best quarterback in the NFL. And he still has one cheap year left and a quarterback option, a fifth year option that is generally cheaper than extending a guy. That's or than than a veteran quarterback makes anyways. Uh, So if I don't feel comfortable that quarterback three in this draft is going to be a better-than-average NFL quarterback. I think you just take two really good players uh, with the picks you have, and you roll with Justin Fields another year, and you see what what you can get at quarterback in next year's draft. And I guess Fields can try to perform a miracle, a year-four breakout that is very rare. But I don't want that to happen. I would trade up. I don't don't think (laughs) I don't think anybody I just, in the. I don't think anybody in those two spots is going to trade down. Is the thing I think if you have you, uh, Caleb who would it be? Hey. Would it be Denver and Arizona? You're thinking would be the two. To, like I don't know how Denver gets ahead of us. Maybe I they do. What, I don't. Well, that's again who it is. It doesn't matter. I don't want to go. The most likely scenario is that the Bears end up with one of those top two picks and that they will use it on a quarterback. And I think reluctantly we both agree at this point that that is what they have to do if they have one of those top two picks so the only scenario i mean i still want to see justin fields come back i want to see him play i want to see him play well because again if you are taking quarterback top two and justin fields plays well when he comes back then you're getting something good for justin fields too hopefully someone's going to take a chance there um but yeah if if that pick if either pick panthers pick bears pick is in that top two you're, you're taking a quarterback. You are. Um, and I think it's time. Uh, and I think I feel good enough about both of those two quarterbacks that I, I would pull that trigger. Um, now, I have taken... I've pissed off some people online because the Caleb Williams hype train is... It is chugging down the tracks, by God. I think it was Rick Spielman the other day who was basically like, if Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence had a baby together with Patrick Mahomes if we could make the science happen it still wouldn't be as good as Caleb Williams he's the greatest (laughs) quarterback I've ever seen I don't think Caleb Williams is that good now when I say I don't mean that good I mean not as good as that hype I think he's good I do but we have a very specific concern about 
Caleb Williams. And it's a concern that comes from having just watched Justin Fields. Yep. Because when I – so I, we've made reference to the spreadsheet many times. I hope I don't have to keep explaining it. But then again, I don't know who's a new listener. I hope we're still gaining new listeners. Uh, but if you don't know, and we talked about this when we talked about the draft last year, I have a spreadsheet where I track stati- every freaking available statistic that I think is relevant – for college quarterbacks as they enter the draft because my goal over time, I've been doing this for six years now, the spreadsheet. I did have someone the other day that was surprised to find out that I have been ranking quarterbacks in the draft uh, since I was 11 years old. Because um, because I said, I was, I was actually talking about Matthew Stafford. I said he was one of the highest grades I'd ever given to a guy, but no one will ever top my highest grade ever given to a quarterback, which at the time was St. Carson of Palmer, um, who I may have... I, I, I pulled a Rick Spielman myself. I said Carson Palmer was going to be the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty hard for a guy to turn into an all-pro, borderline Hall of Fame-level quarterback. Uh, and my takes still have been bad, but I do still think I went a little far with that one. But I, Carson Palmer was high up there on my rankings list, too. But no, I've been ranking quarterbacks since 1999. I threw a shit fit when the Bears passed up uh, Dante Culpepper to take Cade McNown. Um, but I have been tracking these statistics, uh, the last five, six years, trying to really figure out over time and with a big enough sample size, like what are the statistics that tell us a guy is going to be good? What are the statistics that indicate trouble? And, and Justin Fields met what I thought was every statistical marker entering the NFL like he had accuracy he had deep accuracy he had intermediate accuracy he had a very low turnover worthy play rate he had a very high big time throw rate I was like I just don't see where this kid went wrong or could go wrong and we have now seen where this kid can go wrong it's because he holds the ball too long he's not quick enough and decisive enough that on on a college level he could get away with it but an NFL level we see him hold the ball we see him take hits we see him take sacks we see him get hurt we see him fumble games away because of those sacks that he gets hit so it was time to revisit the spreadsheet and add a couple more columns and start tracking something i didn't use to track before which year to year was how long do these guys take to get rid of the damn ball and how often are they pressured and how often are they turning those pressures into sacks because another statistic that's very important that that really damns justin that he was bottom 10 in when he was top 10 in every other statistical category for a college quarterback, but bottom 10 in this was what's called pressure to sack rate, which is for how often you are pressured, how often are you turning those pressures into sacks? Justin turned, when he was in college, Justin turned pressures into sacks about a quarter of the time. And 23.6 was his career pressure to sack rate. Um, If you guys want to know how stable this is, uh, one of the few guys who has actually played in NFL games and ranked the lowest um, in this particular stat in terms of pressure to sack rate was Sam Howell, uh, who is currently on pace to shatter the NFL record for sacks taken in a single season. He's going to blow right, if he stays healthy, which he might not with that many hits, he's going to blow right past Carr the Elder into like 80, 90 sack territory at this rate. He's taken 40 sacks in seven games. So pressure to sack rate is, is very telling. Time to throw is very telling. Um, and Justin Fields had a bottom 10, bottom 5 career time to throw in college. He took, on average, 3.14 seconds to throw the football. 
So here's where my concern comes up. Because Caleb Williams, there are 110 quarterbacks that I currently have data for in this spreadsheet, folks. 110 going back to the 2014 college football season. 110. Caleb Williams has a career time to throw of 3.27 seconds, which by a lot puts him at number one or number 110, depending on how you want to rank sort that particular mm-hmm. column. He stands alone. He holds the ball longer than anyone has ever held it in the history, for as long as we have tracked this statistic anyways, which great, there's only about only about nine years at this point, but it's it, that's still, when you're talking 110 quarterbacks in that time, that's still very concerning. Uh, the second highest person in that statistic and the second highest career time to throw of anyone in college was Malik Willis um who has had trouble getting on the field with the Titans through two years um and a big part of that and and the Titans will tell you and uh there's a famous press conference where Mike Vrabel literally pulled him from a preseason game because he was pissed at Malik not throwing the ball um and in the times that he has played in the NFL Malik Willis has been sacked almost on almost 18% of his dropbacks. He has taken 14 sacks on just 80 dropbacks. That That's a lot. So um, this is a statistic that tends to carry over into the NFL. And the most concerning thing for me, uh, people tend to assume most things are teachable when it comes to prospects. And, and what I've learned is there are some statistics that are teachable, what I've learned with Josh Allen, is that accuracy is more fungible than I thought it was sometimes. Um, It's often more of a product of the offense around a quarterback than the quarterback himself. But what seems to be the most stable, unfortunately, for Justin Fields and possibly for Caleb Williams, is this time to throw. If you've got a high one in in college, it tends to stay high in the NFL. And if you've got a high pressure to sack rate, it tends to stay high in the NFL. And the most concerning thing about both of them is... Only I, I there's only a handful of guys who've ever improved their time to throw in the NFL. Most people add to it in the NFL. They take even longer, which makes sense. NFL defenses are more complicated. There's a lot more being thrown at you. What you're taking an extra tick to to figure things out, which the guys that don't have an extra tick to spare, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, etc., that's bad. Now, does that specific statistic mean that Caleb Williams is doomed? No. We have seen good quarterbacks in the NFL with high time to throw and high pressure to sack rates. A couple guys that were very comparable um, to Justin Fields, etc. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, three guys that you can think of who have been successful that, in the, that were in college and the NFL both have regularly been over three seconds and have regularly had relatively high pressure to sack rates. Um, but I'm going to asterisk those guys right here and right now. Jalen Hurts benefits from having the best offensive line in the NFL. He takes way fewer sacks than a guy who played with an average offensive line probably would. He regularly ranks among the league leaders in terms of what percentage of his pressures and his sacks are his own fault. And yet he ranks very low in overall sacks because his offensive line covers for him. And most rookie quarterbacks, most quarterbacks in general, will never have the benefit 
of playing behind the offensive line that Jalen Hurts has enjoyed in his career. Lamar Jackson, likewise, has played behind very good Ravens offensive lines, uh, and he still has, for all the good that he's done, he takes more sacks than an average quarterback always has. And as you might have noticed with Lamar, he takes hits and he has missed games the last couple of years. And it's not, people always conflate it with him as a runner. It's because he runs a lot. Most of his injuries have come in the pocket. Most of his injuries have come as a passer because you can't protect yourself as well as you can as a runner. But he's still taking those hits because he is holding on to the football. Kyler Murray currently out with an injury that he took while scrambling. So even the guys who are good with this play style, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, there is still a cost to playing like that. Um, Russell Wilson has taken four... Russell Wilson's another guy who has always been like this. I don't have college data for him because it was that long. Uh, they don't track that that far back. But um, in the NFL, he's regularly been above three seconds, and he's regularly been sacked 40, 50 times in a year. And we've seen that he's only 34 years old, uh, but he has not aged as well as some of these other guys in it that are his peers in his cohort because of all the hits that he has taken. His athleticism is diminishing, and he is, is struggling with that. Um, so I think Caleb Williams is, he does, he's more decisive than Justin Fields. I think he throws the ball when, when he, I think he throws with the anticipation better a lot of the time. Um, I would compare him more to Lamar or Russell Wilson than I would Justin Fields. So, I mean, that's a very good thing in most drafts. If you tell me the number one overall guy is going to be hopefully, uh, Russell Wilson, I think I'd take that. Um, but there is another guy in this draft that I'm very high on, uh, who I think might be a little bit better at getting rid of the football quicker. Well, statistically, he is. He's about a half second or more faster at getting rid of the football, has a lower pressure to sack rate, takes fewer sacks, is responsible for fewer, but also, in my opinion, has a great arm, does all of the other things well, too, uh, in Drake May. So this is a conversation that we're going to revisit if the Bears lock up those picks and if we're really talking about who that next Bears quarterback is going to be. Um, but yeah, there's been so much talk about Caleb Williams as this flawless generational prospect. We, people are mad at me for, for, for nitpicking him, but this was something I needed to bring up. There, There is a concern with Caleb Williams that we are seeing play out right now with Justin Fields. We have seen what it is like to have one of those guys that plays like Jalen Hurts but doesn't have Jalen Hurts' offensive line. And the results sometimes are not pretty. Yeah, I mean, the guys you brought up, um, specifically, let's just talk about Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Definitely his best case scenario, right? Justin's same best case scenario, which is dubious. Um, but what you see is we're going to take these big negative plays. So we make up for that with these big explosive plays, right? We we get all this back in the next drive. That's We give up a drive, but here you go. You're going to get seven points. But we also see times where that completely falls apart. Justin here against the Vikings. When it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Uh, the Ravens, who in five games this year have looked unbeatable. Look at what they did to, to the darn Lions last week. But then you look at what they did against the Colts. They put up 19 points against Indianapolis at home because Lamar Jackson wasn't hitting. And when you throw away four drives, five drives, suddenly it's the entire game, right? You look at Jalen Hurts. What happened when he ran to a good defense? Had to play against the Jets. What are the Eagles doing losing to the goddamn Jets? 
it's because sometimes you're going to gamble with these guys. And Caleb Williams, the way I've been thinking of him, every time I have watched him this season, um, and then, you know, having to watch Justin Fields on Sundays, he's an exaggerated Justin Fields. I don't want to say he's, uh, like, better than Justin Fields in every way. He exaggerates Justin Fields' qualities. He takes longer to throw. He thinks he can extend the play even further. He's, you know, he does the same things. He's quick, and he knows he can use his athleticism. He's more cocky. He's a much more... He's a he's a larger presence, I guess you could say, right? We've heard reports the last couple weeks that are outlandish. He wants his head coach to to leave USC because Lincoln Riley might just need a bailout at this point uh, after losing to Utah yet again. Um, he wants a partial stake in the team that drafts him in order for him to come out. For a guy who, if you've watched him the last three weeks against Arizona, against Notre Dame, against Utah, all they've done is do exactly what uh, Minnesota did to Justin Fields here. They just said, okay, what happens when we send more people than you can deal with? The answer is the same thing we get from Justin. He doesn't know how to check out of it. He doesn't know how to get safe out of these plays. So he does what he always does. He takes an extra second. He waits for something to happen downfield. And then there's just doom. He throws interceptions. He fumbles. He goes backwards and gets sacked. Um, and it's cost USC the last three weeks in a row. Um, it's going to cost Lincoln Riley his job, maybe, which is insane. Uh, and it's a guy like like we just talked about. Seeing Tyson Bagent come in was kind of a breath of fresh air, right? Do we really want to see the same type of guy try to succeed at the NFL level for the next three years? Or do we want to try a guy like C.J. Stroud? Do we want to try a guy like... Uh, like a, a Jared Goff, like a Justin Herbert, who can make all of the throws, who actually say, try like, all of the throws, I right? Was gonna, I was going to say the, the one of these things is not like the other. I, I would say I would still gamble on a Caleb Williams over a guy that I was very confident ceiling was Jared Goff. Um, Have you seen... Your, your hatred of Jared Goff is cruelty. But what I mean is, he's a guy who's actually going to take these throws, right? Okay, but I'm he, not taking fucking Jared Goff with the number one overall pick. I know someone did. I know Someone that did. That Look at how good the Lions are. But I'm not the guy. I'd still take Caleb Williams over that. I don't... You would... Oof, don't paint so me with that. We could talk about this later. We could talk about this later. Can't you know what? Nobody me. loves... Nobody loves Jared Goff for what he is. Look at the goddamn Lions, Kyle. But yeah, I mean, the point is this. Look at the goddamn There was a big... You want to talk about the Ravens? Look at what happened to Jared Goff the minute that his offensive line wasn't able to hold up for him. He yeah, turned stuff, back into stuff the got same real. damn pumpkin that he always does when there's any pressure. Now, Justin Herbert, <coughs> that's the comp that I have more for Drake May. Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, those are the guys that reminds me. I can't wait for the Bears to beat the Chargers and for you to still be like, now Justin Herbert... Justin Herbert will lead us to the promise. I mean, it depends on how. I guess it depends on how Justin Herbert plays in this game. But I'm pretty sure if the Bear, if the Chargers lose to the Bears because Tyson Bagent somehow puts up 30 points on bubble screens again, I'm not gonna hold that one against Justin Herbert. I really you'll, hold, you'll never hold anything against Justin Herbert, Kyle. I, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Justin Herbert is the comp for Drake May, right? Um, and we're gonna get into this a lot more in depth as the year goes I think on, we've folks. Done it, yeah, there's, there's. But yeah, both of us, I think, are in the camp I, that you take Drake May and you don't right even now, think I mean, about if the draft it. Were, if the draft were tomorrow, I would take Drake May and I wouldn't think about it. And I think 
however the rest of the season plays out, I'm uh, that's going to probably be my answer. But I am willing. I, I I want to see Caleb because I mean, whether I think Drake May should be the pick or not, I don't trust the Chicago Bears to make the decision that I think they should make. So if the pick's gonna be Caleb, I would sure like to see Caleb address these things that I'm concerned about these next yeah. couple of weeks. Like you have been hit in the mouth. What you've been doing isn't working anymore. The book on you is out. You don't like corner blitzes. You don't like any of this shit. They they won't, they're going to keep throwing it at you. Do you have answers? What I want to see those answers. Um, Did so you see I, his actual answers the and, in the press uh, conferences? We're not we're not going to grade press conferences. Uh, we will not become the very thing we swore to destroy. What he said when they asked him what went wrong is ah I just missed throws and I'm not usually going to miss those throws. That's not what happened, Caleb. That's not what's happening to you right now. It's been three weeks, buddy. So I calm down. There will be time. There will. He be scares me. He scares I the understand. shit out of me, Kyle. I understand. I understand. I understand. There will be more time. Okay. We'll get. All right. We got. We'll well, there. we got like a, we got like twenty minutes left. Should we pivot off of quarterbacks and yeah, talk more about the defense the here? Yes. So. During the offseason, we said, we were like, I think I can see what they're doing here. They want to build this secondary. They want to build this linebacking core. And they want their defensive line to stop the run. And so we thought the plan was, since they can't get just a straight-up front four rush, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to stop the run, get in third and long, and then let the secondary do the work. Early on in the season, they were getting into those third and longs. They really were. Mm-hmm. They were stopping, but they were giving them up at such a historic rate because they were just playing the softest zone coverage that we have ever seen and trusting that. So, But over the last four or five weeks, we have seen this defense slowly morph into something. I mean, they're stopping the run at a historically good level right now, truly. Yep. Um, and then they are finally getting the kind of conversion rates you would expect on those third and longs, which is to say not much. Now, granted, we have to asterisk that Brian Hoyer sucks. Yeah. We have to asterisk that Sam Howell gives out sacks like candy, like we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did do a pretty good job against Kirk Cousins, who has otherwise played very well this year and just beat the 49ers. Kirk Cousins um, and not Justin Jefferson. And not Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, not, not the so hardest offense is to stop. There the is a big years. asterisk there, and you got to see it continue. I mean, well, this, this will be a big test against Justin Herbert here. But the defense is starting to look more like we thought they would look in the offseason, and I think the only appropriate response to that is, like, why? Why now? Fuck you guys. Why? Where was this? Like, sure, we'd be having a delusional wild card hope, but we could be having a – I would so love to just be, like – Watching competitive football games and convincing myself there was a chance for this team to make the wild card than doing the shit that I'm doing now and talking about which quarterback I want them to take in October. I really like. I was hoping to at least wait till December to have these conversations. Yeah, but it's 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 frustrating to see this defense come along, and I and I think the fear with both of us is that the only possible consequence of this is them winning enough meaningless games to hurt their draft position, but also to convince Bears ownership that there's really something here with Matt Eberflus. Maybe we need to keep yeah. this guy and let him have one more year. So that's where I'm afraid of. Yeah. Uh, like a couple of standout guys on the defense. Um, Jalen Johnson, obviously, has played himself into a big contract. He is currently PFF's number one rated 
coverage corner in the NFL. Um, so he's been spectacular. That's exactly what he needed to do this year, and the Bears absolutely need to pay him. I don't think there's any question. Uh, it seems like they agree because I know they opened up contract talks. Uh, good for him. Good for the Bears. Thank God we've we've got a corner there. We really needed him to take that next step. Um, a couple guys on the line. Jervon Dexter. I mean, I know you probably want me to play the music. I'm not. I'm not in that mood right now. But Jervon, <laughs> Jervon has gotten better every single week. Um, the Bears have put him in in too many pass downs and not enough run stopping downs. I think I. I think one of something I've seen over the internet uh, the last couple weeks um, from many prominent Bears websites, many prominent Bears writers, um, is that Jervon is just the better pass defender, and Zach Pickens is a better run defender. And the, they always point to the snap counts, because Pickens always goes in on, on predominantly run plays, and Jervon goes in on predominantly pass rushing downs. Uh, guys, I think the Bears, just they're stupid. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to tell you about this. I don't think Pickens is a better run defender than Javon Dexter. I just think this is a thing they're doing. They've been watching Justin Jones fail for more than a season and a half now, and they're still like, bro, this guy should play the majority of the steps at the three technique. He's doing great. Every time the ball gets snapped, Justin Jones gets blown back two feet, but this is what we want to see. But even though Javon's snaps have been up and down, uh, week to week, and it's been really infuriating. He's gotten better every week. Um, he's getting more pressures. He hasn't got that sack yet, but it, it's more about bad luck because he's causing a lot of chaos in the backfield. Um, so you got to give a big thumbs up to Poles for for grabbing that yes. guy. So, Darnell Wright has been fantastic. Uh, we have there's really nothing to say other than Darnell's I think great. Got, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty clearly just done with Ryan Poles. Um, yep. I will say, like. As of right now, I'm feeling again. I would shed absolutely no tears if they just cleaned the house entirely and got rid of him. At the same time, I would be less mad now if they kept polls and let yeah. him pick his own coach and let them pick their own quarterback this time uh, than I was a couple weeks ago. Because we are starting to see some promise from Dexter. Guys are getting healthy, and we're really starting to see Tyreek Stevenson turn it on. We're starting to see. Brisker, who's been one of my favorite Bears punching bags, um, because the the production will never catch up with his mouth, but it's the gap is narrowing a tiny bit for once. Kyler Gordon has looked good since he came back. So a lot of those guys that felt like wasted picks a couple weeks ago are starting to flash a little bit. Darnell Wright, we are both I mean, we were convinced before he was even drafted, have only yeah. been backed up. <laughs> Darnell Wright is a is a ten year starter at tackle. Um so we are starting, you know, DJ Moore obviously is incredible, which not that, you know, Poles should get a lot of credit for identifying that DJ Moore is good, but he got him. Um, so I'm feeling a little less angry at Ryan Poles, but I reserve the right to change that as always. Um, yeah. And again, still wouldn't, wouldn't cry if he did get fired, but I would be less white hot angry if he was retained than I was a couple weeks ago. Matt Eberflus needs to go no matter what. I'm done with this coaching staff. My biggest fear is them winning enough games to keep this fucking coaching staff. I, God, I'd hate it so much. Because then my fear yeah. is that they would keep the coaching staff, but not the quarterback. they draft a new quarterback, and then next year they would realize, belatedly, as they always do, this coaching staff still ain't in, and then what are you doing again? You are handing a quarterback to a coaching staff that didn't pick him, isn't married to him, 
doesn't necessarily know what they're doing with him, and the the song remains the same. So I, there's, yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the things you could say, uh, which could be good um, for the Bears, is when the Bears got a head coach, one good head coach came out of that offseason, and he wasn't really on anybody's radar but Miami, right? And that's McDaniel. Um, but the guys we were looking at were like Dabble, um, you know, and the guys the Bears were looking at was like Caldwell and, you know, a bunch of retreads. Like, it wasn't a great crop, right? And there's there are good examples throughout history of teams hiring very short-stinted head coaches that went very poorly because they were just in a bad offseason for coaches. And then you can pick and choose to get rid of them in an offseason where in obviously good coaches there is one obviously good coaching candidate this offseason, and if the Bears think they could have him in the bag, you got to go after him, and that's Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. There's there's nobody out there on the planet who doesn't want this guy to be their head coach who's going to have an opening this offseason. Um, you gotta you got to try. That's the thing that I hope Kevin Warren sees, you know. He's a guy who isn't attached to Eberflus. He isn't attached to any of these people, and he probably wants his own guys. Um, I'm hoping he goes out and just says, hey, here's the bag. Let's get the guy everybody loves I mean, and everybody right thinks now, is going to be great, right? What is my ideal Bears scenario at this point in time? It's that that pick ends up being – that those two picks end up being like pick two and pick three. Uh, so that way the Bears aren't conflicted into making a decision. You just let that first team – take Caleb Williams, the Bears fall into Drake May, they pair with Marvin Harrison Jr., and they hand Drake, Marvin Harrison Jr., and DJ Moore to to Ben Johnson at head coach. Yeah. That's my dream. I, I, I'd be pretty the ideal scenario that. right there, because you know, you know if we hire Ben Johnson, the quarterback he wants is going to be Drake May. It's not going to be the guy who takes a long time to throw, I right? Would think anybody who's, I think anybody whose roots are really in that Shanahan style of offense yeah. is going to lean more May than Caleb Williams. That's my hunch. But Yes. Um, yeah. But we also know that, unfortunately, these decisions aren't always made by scheme fit or by by the general manager. Um, I think the current quarterback for the Carolina Panthers is proof of that because the coaching staff wanted C.J. Stroud, and the owner said, well, you're going to fucking take Bryce Young because I saw him on my television, and I like him. So That's right. A lot of ways this could go wrong. Uh, where are we leaving off on that? Things are, things are, we're the fucking bears folks. We're in a nebulous middle ground here. I mean, I want to, I did want to say about the defense. Um, purgatorious right now. I, yeah, I did. I did want to say about the defense. Uh, like I, I know you were talking, you're kind of bullish on them, right? Because they have shown out the last three weeks. They've looked really good. Things have come together like we expected that they would in the off season. Um, I just, I think it's all bullshit. Uh, I just think we've played three bad offenses who have all been missing key components of those bad offenses. Like, even if the Vikings had Justin Jefferson, that's still a very one-note offense, right? Even if the Raiders had Jimmy Garoppopoulos, that's still not a good offense. Even if Washington like had the Sam Howell that was there the first two weeks of the year that looked really, really good, and people were like, wow, that's incredible. Even then, it's still a bad offense, right? And the Bears' defense has just kind of done their job, right? Um, but 
I, d- I don't think they are that good. I'm pretty sure the Chargers and Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore are going to make us look stupid again, and things will go back to, you know, the, the way that we saw before. But kind of like you said, that's sort of wishful thinking. Like, I don't want Eberflus to backdoor this into like, hey, my defense wasn't terrible for part of the season. You can't possibly fire me now? Question mark. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just not seeing anything different out there. I think one guy in particular I wanted to call out, um, because I was kind of excited, uh, about picking him up in the off season, even though his contract was an albatross immediately. Tremaine Edmonds has been a fucking disaster. Um, he is not doing what he, the, the one thing he was supposed to be really good at, which is like eliminating tight ends and covering over the middle. If you're running the Tampa 2, you would think this is the guy you want in the middle, right? A Brian Urlach, a very rangy guy, going to get from sideline to sideline and tackle people. This guy, he can't fucking tackle. He hasn't covered it all. He is eternally in the wrong position. Uh, he's been he's been a complete disaster. Uh, and it's kind of getting lost in how bad other things have been. But with the defense around him picking it up, it has become more clear that Tremaine Edmonds is just, he's an absolute minus. Um, and he was supposed to be, he was supposed to be the anchor on this defense, I given mean, the was, amount of money that we gave him. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be one of the blue chippers, and they, yeah, they just don't have any. Uh, I And it's not, it's not a situation where the linebackers have all been failing. TJ Edwards TJ has Edwards, really picked up his TJ play Edwards the last month. has been month. exactly what you would have hoped him to be there, just missing yeah. the guy in the middle. I mean, even, I even, Sanborn. Sanborn's been good on the yeah. other side. It's it's all Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, it's not great. So yeah, so there we are. Uh, uh, yeah. I wow. I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know where we leave this <laughs> off. I don't know what hope is. I. Yeah. We oh, appear uh, to be in the middle of yet another middling Bears season. We sure Kyle. are. The song remains the same. Um, if you are a Bears fan, who knows who Bill Zimmerman is on Twitter? Used to work for Sirius Radio, big uh, contributor to Windy City Gridiron. I will be joining him to cover this Bears Chargers game post game on his show. So you have that to look forward to if you just want to hear more of my voice. I can't wait to have fresh Bajent takes. Oh my God! If Bajent does well, I'm gonna tune no, in myself. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna call in, dude. I like the implication that you wouldn't have tuned in otherwise, because I know you wouldn't have. You'd be like, "Oh, after the game." No, I'm, I'm gonna be sleeping. Yeah. You'd yeah. all be asleep halfway through. Like you that's way too co- late. You may that be is my best nightmare. friend, the co-host of our show, and also the godfather of my daughter. But I am not staying up late to listen to you do a post-game right. show. Fuck that. So uh, that's right. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go to sleep. All right. Well, yeah. I, I, I look forward to God. Go Bajan. Go Bajan this weekend. (laughs) Why must you hurt me in this way? All right, folks. Well, enjoy your weekend. Now you know I'm leaving.